Hello, story lovers. This is Laurel McCarg, and you're listening to Alligator Preserves. Today, we have another in the Leadville Race Series special series. I met with Eldon Nelson, racer extraordinaire, online, and I posted that meeting on YouTube. You can check it out and, and see us both chatting with one another, but I figured I would just do the audio version for you folks as well. So here it is. Stay tuned. Don't go away. Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. Hello, everybody. I'm Laurel McCarg, host of Alligator Preserves, and today I have with me the co-host of Leadville, the 100-mile mountain bike race podcast, Eldon Nelson, also known as Fatty. And I'm sure that's only because you ride a fat bike, right? I don't even own a fat bike. You'd think that I would get one, but no, no, I don't. I'm called Fatty because I started a blog about 12 years ago, uh, the main purpose of which was I wanted to lose some weight. And so I started a blog called Fat Cyclist and picked up the name, uh, nickname Fatty, and it stuck. And it's kind of become a term of endearment. I'm actually happy to have it now. Well, I understand that you you co-host with uh, Michael Houghton, also known as Hottie. Yes, and I bet I bet he really likes that nickname more than you <laughs> like yours. <laughs> oh, he doesn't. He is such a uh, such a humble guy. He does not like having the nickname Hottie. But you know, we we take the nicknames that are given to us. No, very few people get to pick their own. Oh, <laughs> well, I am. I think yours is great, and. Uh, <laughs> And I think it probably helps you ride faster. Yeah, it it, it certainly gives me something to think about all the time. But more often as I get close to the fridge than when I'm riding. (laughs) Well, the first question that I ask ultra racers, and I've, I don't know if you've heard some of my podcasts, but I've interviewed Ty and Roxanne Hall and Marvin and Lisa Sandoval. Marvin is going for his eighth lead man this year. Mm -hmm. I'm married to a four-time lead man as well. So the question that I really want to know is why? (laughs) Uh, That's a fantastic question. And I ask it to myself, uh, usually around mile 75, and I don't have any good answers. Um, But the thing is, memory is kind of a funny thing. And you remember the good parts a lot more than you do the bad parts. Um, Also, and this this one is it comes off almost sounding like a bumper sticker, but I do do it because I can. Um, I am not a graceful person. I you know in any of the ball sports, I've never done well, much less excelled. But I found out in my early thirties that I can turn the cranks for a long time, not necessarily fast, but without stopping and hiring out perhaps later than most people do. So um, it's what I'm good at. And I found as I go on that I'm better at it and seem to like it more. It's definitely an old man's sport. 
An old man sport. Well, I'll, I'll tell my husband that. I'm sure he'll be thrilled to hear that. <laughs> and I feel like th- that was excessively gender specific. It's an old person sport. <laughs> it's, uh, my, uh, my wife and I actually met uh, via um, cycling, mountain biking in particular. And we are both very much into this. My wife has done the Leadville 100 13 times. Oh, my goodness. That's so, fabulous. Yeah. Between wow. us. We're closing in on, I guess, 35 now. <laughs> so your first race was in 1997, and you talk yes. about the fact that it was capped out at 400 people. Isn't that crazy? Uh, yes, absolutely crazy. And and all of you crammed in at the start line and shivering. And you talked about, this was in one of your earlier podcasts, you talked about how you couldn't get the race out of your mind, all the details, right? So I guess my next question might be, uh, do you sleep before the race at all? Uh, And do you dream about it? Oh, I've had such terrible dreams about this race. Um, my, I, have, I have actually had a recurring Leadville nightmare, which is that the weather was too bad and, they've ha- and they had to have it indoor. Um, so <laughs> in, the, in the old gym that, oh. they, that they used to do the, the meeting in, I, I had a dream that the whole race happened in that gym where somehow we were running up the stairs, doing a lap on the top floor, running back down the stairs, doing a lap on the bottom floor. It, it, so I guess, so yes, sometimes I dream about this race. Um, the, the, do I sleep the night before? Oh boy. You know, that is a question that has a different answer depending on the year. I, I have slept well. I have, there have also been times when I have not slept at all uh, the night before the race. I think that dream is hilarious. And I know the gym you're talking about. Now, you live in Utah. Uh I do. You live in Utah. I live in Leadville. So I'm very familiar with the Sixth Street gym that you're Uh talking about. Oh, and. you live in a town that I would that I would very much love to live in myself someday. I, I am very envious of the altitude and the attitude of Leadville, Colorado. Um, it's just a an awesome place. And actually, my uh, my stepdaughter and stepson are there for the summer, uh, also living there because they love that town as well. And just. Um, so it's it's definitely a real family affair for us at this point. You're saying that they're here right now? Yeah. Um, uh, the daughter is there right now, and the son will get there later this week. Well, you should have them look me up, Leadville Laurel. I but will I'm, definitely do so. I'm, I'm easy to find, and I would love to meet them. Fantastic. Uh, and you can find Melissa at the Leadville Brewery. Um, she, she works there. All right. It's, I'll, uh, I'll it's go great. visit. Periodic the brewing. periodic periodic brewing, yes. Right, PB. Yes, PB. I, I know that I knew that there was a pun in there, and it sometimes takes away from me to, a, a while for me to work my way back to it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We won't, we won't hold that against you. Uh, let's see. Talking about working at the brewery with with food there. The the most recent podcast that you did, episode three, I believe, mm-hmm. it's called Food Frenzy. Or oh, yeah, yeah, feeding, feeding frenzy. Feeding frenzy. Yeah. Um, tell me what you eat during the hundred during the race it, it's as easy as can be um 
I had the hardest time for 15 years doing the doing that race where I would get to around mile 40 and would find myself uh, going up Columbine Mine and no longer interested or really I should I should not say capable I was unwilling to eat and I felt like that was an okay trade-off to make and I would find myself then at mile 60 suddenly having no energy whatsoever and would have a very slow final quarter of the race because I'd gotten behind on nutrition um now I don't have that problem anymore I am a real fan of goo um the gels uh the brand is especially um, uh, full disclosure, I do a podcast with the Goo Energy Labs, uh, people call the Goo Energy Labs Pinnacle Podcast. So there, there is a business relationship there, but I asked them if they wanted to do a podcast because I was such a fan of their food. It was in no way the other way around. So, um, I think I just put an ad on your, on your podcast. Sorry I, I think about you that, did Laura. too, but that, that's oh. okay because, because I'm <laughs> going to say something too about that. Good. Uh, but you had, you said... You were unwilling to eat before. Why unwilling? Was it a speed thing? No, no. Uh, It's just uh, from the effort and the altitude, a slight nausea starts affecting me. And I think that's pretty common. As you get up above 11,000 feet, your brain isn't working right and food just doesn't sound good. And you're breathing so fast that putting something in your mouth is really difficult to do. Um, it's, and that is very common. I I notice even now as people are riding up, I hardly ever see anyone eating. And I have a chime on my GPS that goes off every half hour. And that means it is time for me to eat something. 150 calories of something for me, usually a goo. Um, for other people, it can be anything, but really science just says, you got to get into yourself, regardless of how big you are or how fast you're going, around 250 calories, or you're going to pay the price every hour. So huh, I feel like I'm starting to do my podcast on your show. No, that, well, that's okay, because we're co-podcasting. <laughs> we, we are. About, we're having a about, podcast exchange. Yes, we are. Um, oh, so ba- back, to the, back to the goo. Right. You were going to tell uh, me it, something. Yes, it was several years ago, because my husband trains with that as well. and. The idea is you should train with whatever it is that you're going to race with. Don't try mm-hmm. something new on race day. But I remember writing to the company, Goo, um, with with the motto suggestion, too tired to chew, it's time for Goo. And um, they thanked me for it, but said that they were really small and, uh, and weren't, weren't, weren't going to take my motto. So I don't know, maybe they're bigger now, maybe what, what do you think, Goo? Well, did you time for <laughs> I love that actually, and that is actually the reason I went to gel entirely for the Leadville 100. Breathing is such a task. Yes, when you are racing and you are at altitude, and I'm sure for you that is no longer a thing, right? You've adapted. Oh no, no, no! It's still a thing. It's still a thing. We live in I don't know if you can tell. We live in an old Victorian house with stairs, and uh, mm-hmm. we've lived here for 11 years now. And there are still times I get winded. You still feel it. That's it. That is so encouraging to hear. Actually, <laughs> makes me feel a lot less uh, useless. But um, it, it, anyway, because of the altitude and because you're going so hard for so long, I really find it helpful to not have to chew 
and therefore goo. So I, I'm a personal big believer in your motto. I, I, I have friends at goo. I'm going to take that to them. <laughs> Maybe hearing, well, hearing back with a big check soon. <laughs> I think we, I think we were sent a bag of goo. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, so that was kind of nice. That's that friendly fun. at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the idea of the fatigue and just the effort to chew, um, Lisa Sandoval, who is going for her fourth mountain bike this year, wife of Marvin Sandoval, mm-hmm. said that she can't she can't even suck. She can't even suck from a backpack from a, a, a water a hydration. Camelback, yeah. Camelback. She uses a, she uses water bottles. She finds that much easier. So again, it's you, you've got to train up here, and you've got to at least maybe do some of the camps, do some of the practices. Mm-hmm. If you can. Yep. If, if, if you have the vacation days, then it is for sure worth it to come on out and, well, and, and spend some time at, at altitude. And I would submit that you should do that anyway, just because Leadville is a super cool place to stay. I, I, I don't know how much time you spend. I, cause I've listened to some of your, uh, uh, some of your podcast episodes, but I admit that I tend to focus on your short fiction ones, and I, I love those. So it's thank the, you. Uh, it's, uh, keep please never stop. Please never stop storytelling. Uh, it's that's what makes your your podcast fantastic. But well, thank you. The um, and I have I can't even remember where I was going. Oh, the city, the city of Leadville. I I don't know. I I just feel so envious of where you live and the people who are there, and just sort of the the high mountain vibe is it really suits me. I'm I'm a Leadvillian in everything but location. <laughs> sort of how I, I call myself a lead villain, but that's that's okay. I, I, I think there was it, I think there was a time when there was a vote to be taken between are we going to call ourselves lead villains or lead villains? And I like lead villains. I so. like it too. It's sort of you, know, you could have a snidely whiplash as your yes. uh, as your uh, mascot. So have you met Ken Clover? I have. I have. I've I've in all the races. Uh, at all the races, and you know, since I've done this race twenty times, it's he, you know he he knows those of us who've who've been around and have kind of become family of the race, I guess you could say. So you're going for your twenty second start. My understanding is that you had one that you didn't finish. That is correct. Um, that was uh, all is sort of tied up into the worst week of my life, or I guess you could say worst month of my life. Um, my, my first wife, Susan, uh, passed away from cancer and, um, it it had been a rough, uh, six years or so. And after she passed away, uh, and there was the funeral, I found myself, uh, with time on my hands. And for the first time in months or years, not really knowing, you know, what to do. And I had an entry to Leadville. I had no, I had no plans to use it because I, for, you know, the entirety of the year had expected I'd be taking care of my, of my alien wife. Um, but she was gone and I had family who was staying at home, taking care of my kids with me. And I said, you know, I think I'd like to go to Leadville. I'd like to do this race. And they said, sounds fantastic. They, they wanted me to do something that I love. And so I went up and I started the race and I was actually quite thin 
and not in great shape, but not in not in terrible shape. I you know you know I, I had found time to ride as a way to keep myself sane. Um, but I I did the first uh, few miles, got through the Carter Aid Station about what ten miles into the race, I guess, mm-hmm. and then there is the downhill pavement uh, on Turquoise Road and. Uh, it had been raining. It was 2009, I think, the first year that Lance Armstrong did it, if you're using you know, any kind of a gauge like that. And I kept my head down, and frankly, my head just wasn't in the game. Mm-hmm. And the road tur- sort of bent right, and I continued straight and shot straight off the road at speed. Um, to be honest, it is... Uh, the closest thing I've experienced to a miracle that I not only lived, but was relatively uninjured. Um, that said, I uh, was not able to stand up. I was in too much pain. And I was probably 20 feet down the road or down down the mountainside in rocks and uh, trees and debris. And at the moment, at that moment, the pain was excruciating enough that I thought I had broken a hip or some other major bone, and so I just started yelling at the top of my lungs because I didn't, you know, I knew that before long everyone would be by, and then I'd be out of sight and on my own with what I thought at the time was a broken hip um, for who knows how long, and how would anyone find me was kind of what was going through my mind. And so I yelled and yelled, and not only did someone stop, but someone I actually knew stopped, <laughs> a guy who goes to the same bike shop I do. And he was in contention for a fast time that year of his own. He immediately put that aside and came down and stayed with me until the initial pain and shock wore off, at which point um, I started sort of gingerly making my way up and discovering that no yeah my tailbone hurt but I was you know it didn't seem you know I didn't know if anything if there was a hairline fracture or what but he got me back onto the road and then went on down found some uh, a volunteer or someone with the you know someone associated with the race who brought his truck up and brought me to the uh, uh, brought me to the aid station at the finish line there was no way I was going to ride and it, it, you know, should I have maybe not been on the course, you know, just less than a week after my wife's funeral? I don't know. Um, should I have been careful, more careful, and at least aware that I wasn't perhaps thinking at 100%? Probably. Um, but I, I, to be honest, my biggest regret from all of that is apparently a lot of people had come to the race knowing that I was there and to sort of support me and had all kinds of signs and nice things all along the course that I then never saw. So, I mean, people, people were so gracious and so wonderful and (laughs) I kind of spoiled it by not, uh, by not paying attention to a bend in the road. Well, I'm sure they didn't think that you spoiled it. And, uh, Oh, I, I, I'm sure not. No. Wow. Racers take care of one another is my understanding once you're out there. That is a hundred percent true. Um, I, and I've seen that not, uh, not just during races, but for sure on the course or, 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 or rather in, in training or in any other kind of riding, it's really rare. I think to see another cyclist 
certainly another mountain biker and not kind of do a nod. And anytime I ever pass another cyclist, uh, if they are stopped on the side of the trail, there's always the question, are you okay? You got everything you need? And, you know, you slow down enough to hear their answer. And uh, if they need something, then you always feel kind of actually happy to stop and, you know, take care of them because there's a real pay it forward uh, perspective in cycling. And I love that. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that too. I generally crew out at the Twin Lakes aid station on, uh, not right on the dam, but down the road from it where you cross the road and there's this little uphill and you cross the road and then you continue on up up the hill. I know it well. You know it well. That really (laughs) section where a lot of people just get jammed up sometimes and and crash. And there are so many supporters there and helping bikers get back up (laughs) if they fall or, or warning people that someone's coming or whatever. So it's, it's really exciting being a support crew, but um, I wanted to say something about numbers and statistics you were talking about Um, in, in all your podcasts, you really like numbers. I nerd out a bit. It's true. you, You do. And we're not gonna really talk about statistics here, but racers who are interested in, specific details of times and distances and all that kind of stuff, please go to Fatty's podcast and I'll have links to that on my site too. And, and uh, you've got all kinds of great data. there. really, really good stuff. Well, hopefully more than just data. I I love the stories, but um, I know that anyone who like me uh, is doing this race that we tend to obsess a little bit over, over the math. I'm sure your husband does, uh, having been a multi-time lead man finisher. And I, actually, I, I, maybe I could get you to grab him, drag him over to the microphone. I have, I have some questions for a lead man finisher. I, I, what I didn't tell you about the, the uh, stepdaughter I have who is in Leadville, she is there to try to do the lead woman. Oh. Um, so she has... Um, you know, she has a real big, uh, a real big dream that she is chasing this year. She's only 22 and that is very young for, uh, a lead, a lead woman attempt, but she's also got a pretty extraordinary amount of tenacity. So, you know, we're, we're all cheering her on. We will definitely find her this summer. Uh, my husband right now is, he's the emergency manager for the county. He also does search ah. and rescue. So there, there have been times when he's done sweep on some of the races, but he has a major exercise tomorrow and uh, all day exercise tomorrow. So we'll chat with him another time. And actually I need to interview him too, don't I? You should, you should. I mean, that is, uh, he's done something four times that I can't really quite even wrap my brain around. Uh, the, the the Leadville 100 mountain bike race is an event that takes, you know, all of a day, meaning the daylight part of a day to continue above that level of effort for 20 plus hours, close to 30 hours for a lot of people. Um, I've never done that. I, and I'm not, I'm not sure I could. So, well, that was one that was going to be one of my last questions. If you would ever try something like that. And according to Marvin Sanderville, who I interviewed last time, he believes that anyone can do it. If you have, and again, Ken Clover would say, Mm. you have that commitment to yourself. You can do it in one step in front of the other. And, And it's just a matter of doing a marathon and then another marathon, and then another marathon, and then just one, and then just one more. 
And and that's the thing. I I have done a marathon and every time I've done a marathon, I have thought to myself, could I do three more of these as I got <laughs> near the finish line? And the answer has never been, oh, for sure. <laughs> it's, All right. It's so this, nothing this like that goes along that that idea. So in one of your podcasts, you talked about the difference between riding a section like you would ride for training mm-hmm. and riding after the 40-mile point as you will do after and the outbound from Twin Lakes. Right. Um, and you made it very clear that that's, those are two completely different rides, two completely <laughs> different experiences. Now, I happen to know that you are going to do the Breck Epic Yeah day bike ride that ends the day before (laughs) (laughs) i am you're so how is it that you think for riding for six days before this next attempt is going to help you Mm. i i think that it will help me in in the way that a, a, a good kick to the head will sometimes help someone who needs a good kick to the head. Um, but in, in seriousness, I, I don't have any objective for the Leadville 100 this year apart from completing it. Um, there have been years when I've had a certain time in mind, once or twice where I've had a podium in mind. This time I have having an amazing seven-day race experience with my wife in mind. Uh, she and I, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we met through mountain biking. Uh, we, our courtship was mountain biking. Um, we have pictures on the day where we were married on our mountain bikes, and we got married at a place that is close to a mountain bike trailhead that we love. So our, you might guess that this is kind of integral not just to who we individually are, but to our relationship. And we um, doing a seven-day thing like this is something that very few couples can do, and we're one of them. And I think we both get a lot of pleasure out of that, that this isn't just something that we each can do, but that's something that we can do really well together. And so that's kind of, that's the excitement. It is what we talk about, and we think about, and we plan together. It fills both of our thoughts. We're both competitive in about the same way. And besides, Breckenridge is also a cool town. Um, cool in a very different way than Leadville, obviously. It feels much more like a, a, a standard ski resort in the town. But, oh, mercy, so much great single track once you get out of town. And I, we're just looking forward to just riding our brains out for six days and then coming to Leadville and executing a very smart 100-mile mountain bike race. And then hopefully seeing um, our step, or, or uh, my stepson, her son, and my stepdaughter, her her daughter, do this do this race and completing well. So there's there's a lot more to it than just the personal accomplishment for us anymore. Are there any tandems in your future? No, um, we. <laughs> We've had that conversation, and I think people who ride tandems well together should, but uh, Lisa and I like riding side by side um, and talking with each other that way. We like taking turns 
taking a poll, as it were, you know, where one person is in front and then the other person's in front. Um, the rigidity of a tandem doesn't necessarily appeal to me. And also, both of us have good engines. Neither of us are super skilled. It's we're not sure who would be in front piloting. Ah, okay. All right. <laughs> um, I love that you have done shout outs to your supporters. And at one point you, you said every, every time you see Marilee, you, you say, I love you, Marilee. Oh. But you, you don't know if she, if she responds or not. But let's talk a little bit about the uh, crewing. Mm-hmm. Who crews for you and what advice would you give to other crews? Oh, that, that is uh, a, that is a two part feature coming up on the podcast, but oh, I'll good. To, I will give you uh, the, the short version, the one that hopefully won't put your listeners to sleep too badly, but we've had all kinds of family crew for us. Uh, I've had uh, a, a young niece crew for me. I've had my twin daughters crew for me. Uh, Lisa's brother, Scott, has crewed for us numerous times. My mom has crewed for me. My dad has crewed for me. Um, and everyone always does a fantastic job. It's it, it's fun for me to watch them take seriously something that is important to me. And it, there, there's, I, I haven't ever had a crew that is just sort of goofing off and lollygagging. Then I'm not a very serious person. I don't take too many things too seriously, but I do take the race day seriously. And everyone always seems to sort of gather that and work to, you know, really do a fantastic job for me. So that I've always been grateful for. And I think that they enjoy, I mean, there is an energy to being a great crew. And they, I, I think they, everyone loves being excellent at something. Um, and I do put, I do give them all the tools they need to have a, a great crew experience. Meaning, you know, I have everything labeled. I have uh, exhaustive checklists and what to do in what order. When to expect you to the, come in. The time that if I'm having a good day, I will come in. If I'm having a bad day, I will come in. If I'm having a really bad day, to you know, when I'll come in and please don't say anything to me about the fact that I'm having a bad day. Um, you know, all, all of those things, I, I, I try to be very, um, very precise about it mm-hmm. and make it so that they, there isn't anything that they have to improvise on because chances are I'm not going to be coherent at that time and I'm not going to be able to give them any kind of directions whatsoever. What's your opinion on cowbells? Um, I love having people ring cowbells as I come through the come through the Twin Lakes Dam alley of people. The the wave of energy is just incredible for the cyclist. When I'm not on a bicycle, I personally have a real issue with uh, high-pitched sounds and loud noises. Whistles are not allowed in my house, <laughs> um, nor is whistling of any type there. I've had to stop people from doing that. So it, th- th- that's my own personal auditory issue, right? It's the, you know, they make me cringe. So that's just me. But when I'm on a bike, having people yell and cheer and ring a cowbell, uh, boy, it, it gives you a moment of pure energy and it is 
appreciated and loved every time I go through. Just love it. All right, but not just right next to you when you're in the the transition point maybe no no maybe. for the people if i were if i were cheering someone on as i hope you know as we, i of course hope to do for uh, my stepdaughter this um you know later this you know, later this year i will find a place where there is not someone next to me ringing a cowbell <laughs> that's yeah good good idea <laughs> it sounds like we come from uh, similar perspectives on that. yes oh yes <laughs> Um, how about mechanical failures? Have you had any great mechanical failures? And and what do you think mm. racers should carry with them? I've had I've had a couple of mechanical issues before, um, and I am a terrible mechanic. And so racers should either be good mechanics or or no one. I guess is is sort of where I where I stand. That said. I had a terrible mechanical failure last year when I was hoping to be the fastest I ever would I, I, had ever, I would have ever been. Um, I had been training with a really well-known uh, professional cyclist uh, team owner, uh, Jonathan Vodders, and he had you know really got me into fantastic uh, condition. And then about the time I hit St. Kevin's, my saddle rail. Uh, broke, and I did not have a working saddle for the next four. Uh, I guess thirty-five miles until I came oh. into Twin Lakes Dam, where my crew was, and I, you know, I'd been thinking it through. How how would I explain what is going on? Because I wasn't entirely sure. I didn't get off my bike. I could just feel that the saddle was sort of, you know, wafting around <laughs> in the wind. If I sat on it. On the flat, it would hold my weight, but it would tilt and it would move, and I did not dare sit on it on a downhill, you know. And so coming down Saint uh, or coming down uh, the power line, you know, I, I did that standing entirely, and, and and you know all of my climbing did that standing, and it was kind of messing up my time. I was so lucky. One of the people in my crew had happened to bring his own bike. And so they quickly took my bike or my saddle off my bike and the saddle off this other bike and put the saddle on mine. And so while it wasn't a great saddle for me and the position was kind of weird and, you know, so forth, I can't complain because I had a, I had a saddle. You had something to sit on. (laughs) My husband lost a saddle coming down Columbine. Oh no. And came, came into Twin Lakes screaming for just um, bike tubes. He was just going to wrap some uh, tubes around the rails. He was going to tape his saddle onto his... (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, dear. I hope you were able to convince him to do something a little bit more... Uh, like like you like you someone someone else that had dropped out of the race had a saddle saddle, so he he was able to yeah Uh, saddles are important (laughs) yeah it's nice to have a place to sit even when you're in a race so i think i've heard about your most difficult race what was the most fun race that you've done out out of all the lt100s what was the best one oh boy a couple of years ago um, and you know, I keep talking about my wife, but I had, I had to make a decision whether I was going to be, uh, racing for myself or to see if I could work as a domestique of sorts for my wife as she tried to set a women's single speed record. And in the end, I made the decision. I'm going to 
I, I brought both my geared bike and my single speed bike and de- decided I'm going to ride with my wife and I'm going to talk her through it to whatever degree I can, but also ride in front of her when I can to give her good pacing. And I, I don't know how much actual draft a single speed can give another single speed, but you know, I was there for that too. And we were there, you know, within a few, you know, a few feet of each other for the entirety of that race. And um, we did it. Uh, she finished setting, not just winning the women's single speed, but setting a single speed women's record. Uh, I think beating the previous record by more than 15 minutes. And that previous record was also hers. So uh, it was it was pretty spectacular. And it was amazing to be part of something like that. And, you know, I'm I'm an okay athlete. I'm married to a great athlete. And it's fun to be able to see that happen secondhand. It really Aww. Aww. <laughs> So how many more of these races will you do? I mean, <laughs> oh, you should bring my wife in for that question. She's, um, she's, I, I've been, well, we're closing in on your 20 year. We need to keep going. She's like, uh, but then we'll be close to your 30 year and then we'll have to keep going. It's like, I, I don't know. Um, the thing is, we as long as we're having fun, I guess we'll keep doing it. At what point do we stop having fun? I don't know. You know, it, I mean, nobody does anything forever, but um, no artificial joints yet. I know. I'm. I've been a remarkably healthy person, and you know, I'm into my into my fifties now, and still have all my original parts. So. <laughs> It's, uh, it's, you know, knock on wood or, you know, whatever your desk is made of. Um, so I, 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 as you can tell, I don't have an answer for that question. It's one I've wrestled with, but I don't wrestle very hard with it. Um, and my guess is at some point um, the deadline for registration will come and go and I won't have registered, oh. but I wouldn't, but I wouldn't have, um, but I won't know what year that'll be until it happens. So I'd like to keep doing it. That, that's a good enough answer. So <laughs> you will be you will be in Leadville for all for all of the lead man led woman races. Yes. Uh, not for all of them. I guess the the marathon happens in just a couple of weeks, and I I got a day job. Uh, I can't oh. <laughs> I can't just uh, keep driving. I mean, that's a seven hour drive each way for me. So. It's it's not that easy. We'll just have to hear uh, the race report over the phone, or however uh, Melissa wants to uh, tell it to us. So uh-huh. I wish I could. I wish I could just come spend the summer, but I work in an office, not from my home. So it is. Uh, it's Utah for us until until the race, and we we think we will. Well, I won't say we, I think we will be coming back for the hundred mile foot race. Um, Lisa to pace her daughter and me to act as crew chief. Oh boy. Lisa's going to pace her from the 50 or where is she going to pace her from? Oh, I don't know. Melissa has lots of friends who want to be part of the pacing thing. So I don't know how they're going to break it up. I know that uh, Lisa, it would be an, would be a good bet for doing the hundred if she wanted to herself. She's done 50 before and has done it well. Um, so yeah, she, she she'll pace she'll pace Melissa very well. I, on the other hand, run very rarely and well, not very well. Well, I've got to say the crewing for the run for the 
LT100 run is stressful because it's <laughs> a, it's such a long race unless yeah. you're one of the really top ones who come in just as it's getting dark the first day which just amazes me but you know crewing through the night and worrying about your racer and all that it's it's a little bit stressful but i would love to hear more detail on that i mean if you don't mind me turning the tables on this on on your own podcast tell me about your husband's lead man experience and your crewing experience and the symbiosis on that that to me that is there is so much uh, anxiety in being a racer, but so much anxiety in being a crew. There, there, there is both. And uh-huh. I think that's um, fodder for a whole episode probably. And I think, I, I think I'll get into that when, when I do interview Mike, but we'll certainly talk about it when you're here. And I'd love to talk. Oh, let's get, for, let's get together for yes. dinner and or more. Um, Yeah, let's not just let's not just talk a little bit. I want to hear everything, and I will look forward a lot to the conversation between you and Mike on uh, the the crewing and racing dynamic. There is quite a dynamic, and I've got a story to tell too about one of his his first hundred when I was teaching, and um, a point where. We missed him. Oh, he'll never he'll never let me live that one down. But oh, it happened a lot. I, I, I think it's kind of funny. Um, he, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't find it so amusing. Your sense of humor kind of gets put in a in a box during the uh, during big races like that, or at least your perceived sense of what is funny is really yeah. really changes. Yes, yes. Uh, you but, feel like you're still yourself, but people will attest. You're not yourself. Right, right. You know, there are there are stories to be told for sure. Well, um, Eldon Nelson, Fatty, this, <laughs> been, this has been delightful. And I am really looking forward to meeting you here in Leadville. And thank you for all, everything that you've told us. Is there anything else you want to tell racers this year or oh, pos- possible racers? Come out at least a week before, be- uh, for one thing, to get yourself acquainted with the altitude, but also just because it is an amazing town. And uh, go meet Laurel and, and see if when she, when she tells you her name, if you hear her say Yanni instead. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that joke oh a million times. I, that, had, I had about a million calls oh. and, and texts telling me that. And I'm sorry. Just, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's okay. Um, Eldon, how can people find your podcast or get in touch with you if they want uh, information? Uh, I am super easy to get a hold of. Um, you can send an email to fatty at fatcyclist.com and you can find the podcast at leadville100podcast.com. Thank you. And I will have this posted both on YouTube and on Alligator Preserves podcast and on my website at leadvillelaurel.com. And if you want to send me a picture of you, Eldon, I'll stick that on my website too. I will see if I can dig one up. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you and safe training and no mechanical failures, no physical failures. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Oh, thank you, Laurel. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for uh, taking some time with me. You're welcome. My pleasure. Bye. Thank you to my listeners today. And if you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe to Alligator Preserves. I hope you'll also help support 
Alligator Preserves on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash alligator preserves and join me next time when I'll talk about something completely different. I think we've already talked about what ultra racers spread on their toast in the morning. Go, go, go jam. Someone's got to make that. But I'm pretty sure Eldon just uses goo. So go goo. (laughs) Until next time. Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelaurel.com where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com. Thank you.